Well, good morning. My name is Pete Smith. Uh, welcome to Good News Bible Chapel. Uh, during my time in Dallas, Texas, uh, I began to explore uh, different cuisines uh, for the first time in my life. Dallas was great, okay? Just about every corner, there was restaurants and a Baptist church. <laughs> and it was great because... Uh, all over Dallas, you had people from all over the world there, and there was every single variety of food you could imagine. If you wanted Indian food, or Thai food, or Mediterranean food, or whatever, you had tons of restaurants to choose from that were authentic. And over time, uh, I began to, to, to sort of become a little bit of a foodie. I like to sample the places, and if you wanted to know about which breakfast restaurant to go to for the best rest, uh, breakfast, uh, I could list the top two or three ones and what it was I liked about them, and, and I loved to create a buzz about those restaurants, and I wanted to, to get other people to go to those restaurants as well. And what's happened is, uh, among the restaurant space, what's happened there in the restaurant space where you get these people who become foodies, uh, what's happening there is now happening in the church experience as well among Christians. And one of the hot topics today in the church world is the topic of spiritual people and spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit. There are some Christians and there are some churches that sound really, really spiritual, and there's a lot of buzz, and there's a lot of exciting spiritual gifts on display, and it can make Christians in other churches who aren't experiencing the same kind of buzz question whether or not they're truly spiritual people, and whether or not they're sort of missing out on some gifts of the Holy Spirit that are happening there, like we read about in the Bible. And so what happens is a lot of times is you get a lot of Christians who are moving from one church to another in order to, to, to get to a place that appears to be more alive because they don't want to miss out on some of the action that God the Holy Spirit is doing. And the sad part is it's all rooted in a misunderstanding of spirituality and spiritual gifts, and it's fear-based, and it's consumeristic, and it's selfish, and it sounds like people have become a bunch of foodies, and it's not really truly of the Holy Spirit when you see people moving from church to church. And this is exactly uh, what appears to be sort of happening in a very similar problem in a church in a place called Corinth. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. If you're new to the Bible, that's in the New Testament. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 12. The chapters are the big numbers. Uh, the verses are the little numbers. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. And what was going on back there in the, in the days of Corinth, uh, people were praying on this young church plant, and uh, there was a lot of slick talk about success or money and spirit spiritual power and liberty, and it created a lot of excitement, it created a lot of division, and it created a lot of chaos and questions there at the church in Corinth. And so the church decided to reach out to Paul 
who was the church planter, and uh, to get his help. And, and so they send three people along with a letter to Paul to tell Paul what was going on. And uh, they wanted Paul's help to salvage the situation and maybe get the church back to a place of unity and peace and rest. And that's exactly what a lot of local churches need nowadays, okay? Uh, we need to go back and really see what Paul was saying about spiritual people and spiritual gifts in the Holy Spirit and their function in the local church gathering, okay? And that way, uh, we, can, we can rediscover the earliest Christian teachings on these things, and we don't have to keep hopping around like some sort of spiritual foodies looking for the next latest, greatest action, exciting thing that's going on with all the buzz, okay? So when we go back to this, that's my hope today, is that it might settle any ideas down that you're sort of missing out on something that might be happening elsewhere, okay? So uh, there in 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 1, look with me at verse 1. It says this, it begins with this repeated phrase that we hear all throughout the book of 1 Corinthians. It says, now concerning... Now concerning, that, that phrase happens multiple times in the letter, and uh, as you read this week, the church in Corinth had a lot of these problems, and when they met together, and so they asked Paul about it, and so Paul is saying, okay, I've answered this topic, now concerning this topic, I'm going to answer your questions about this. Okay, and so now he gets to this phrase again. This is a brand new topic, now concerning spiritual gifts, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when the, you were pagans, you were often led astray by speechless idols. However, you were led. So I want you to understand that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are different ministries, but the same Lord, and there are different results, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. Verse 7 says, to each person the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. For one person is given the Spirit of the message of wisdom, and another the message of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, performance of miracles. To another, prophecy, and to another, discernment of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. It is one and the same Spirit distributing as he decides to each person who produces all these things. And uh, Mike Sher Michael Sherrod and I did not tell each other what we were going to be talking about up here today. He was just reading these verses, wasn't he? So here's all these new converts to Christianity in Corinth, and they've all sort of left their pagan, they've all left their pagan religions behind, and they, they feel like, though, uh, now that there is a church in a church that's only about five years old here, uh, they feel like they're uninformed about the issue of spiritual things. And so they feel lesser. They feel inferior, and they're kind of confused young Christians. Uh, why is that? Why did they have this fear of sort of missing out? Well, when you do some research, you'll discover that uh, among the pagan religions uh, these Corinthians came from, and that was still there in Corinth in Paul's day, and, this, and when this happened, this letter took place, uh, there was this mystery element to these religions, and that it preyed on people's fear of missing out. 
uh, there was this illusion that the, these other pagan worshipers had uh, that they were having more and more rewarding experiences for having engaged more and more in these pagan religions. And people worried because uh, they didn't know what the higher-ups knew in the religion. And so uh, <coughs> because they didn't know what was the, the, the keys to success in life or how to advance in, in life or to get the lovers that they wanted or to, or to have this success at work or to get the money. And so they kept going to their paganism for this guidance, for all these little clues to how to interpret things. And it was intentionally unclear and mysterious that these religions would, would, would encourage these people to try to figure out some newfangled way to make what they want to see happen in the world. And so what they were doing is they were preying on the fact that people were fearing the fact that they might be missing out. Well, Christianity is the exact opposite. Okay, Christianity isn't hiding the good news one bit. Christianity, uh, Christians have been glorifying God together by proclaiming Jesus is Lord for 1,991 years. We're liberally telling this good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We're spreading it all over the place. We're not hiding anything. Okay, there's nothing to fear like you're missing out because we have some secrets, okay? Okay, King Jesus tells us up front that we'll probably die or even worse if we become Christians. There's a high cost if you decide to pledge your allegiance to Jesus Christ as your king instead of Caesar. The church is not some sort of multi-level marketing scheme, selling people spiritual status so people can have success in the good life now in our lifetime. Instead, we're openly sharing and declaring what Jesus has done and how he paid the ultimate price for you and your sin so that you can be forgiven and you can have eternal life and get raised back from the dead one day. And so I love the approach that Paul's taking here. He genuinely doesn't want these Corinthians to be uninformed, okay? He wants them to know all about spiritual things, about spiritual gifts and what it means to be a spiritual person. He doesn't want false teachers claiming that there's some more spiritual thing out there preying on people's fears, Okay, so he's very upfront about this. He's very clear. And if you're worried that you're missing out on something exciting at some other church or some other experience that you've never had in, just read what Paul has to say here, and you're going to realize you're not missing out if you're a Christian. Okay, according to Paul, spiritual people are those who pledge their allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a spiritual person if you can affirm Jesus is Lord. Romans in the Roman Empire, including in Corinth, were required to pledge allegiance to Caesar as God. They had to burn incense and they would have to say, Caesar is Lord. And when Christians got saved, uh, they cast off that polytheism that they had believed in the past, and now they believe that Jesus was God, and so they stopped offering incense to Caesar. Uh, but people who were anti-Christian would recall Jesus' Roman execution and say that Jesus is cursed. 
That's what the, the, the Greeks and the, Jew, the uh, Romans would say about Jesus when they would hear about this Jesus guy as he's, if he's Lord instead of Caesar's Lord. And they would say, no, no, he died on the cross. He's cursed. And Paul says in verse 3, so I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Every Christian is a spiritual person because every Christian who makes that common pledge that Jesus is Lord demonstrates that he is possessed by the Holy Spirit. If you get the idea that Christians somewhere else are somehow more spiritual because there's a lot of buzz about their manifestations of some more exciting spiritual gifts, Paul would tell you that's not true. Spiritual status is not determined by your proximity to more exciting spiritual activity. Spiritual status is determined by the Holy Spirit's residence in you. At the point of salvation, as soon as you believe that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, that you need Jesus to die on the cross in your place for you and your sin, at that very instant, you're granted forgiveness from God. He says, I forgive you of your sins. He's going to give you eternal life. And you're immediately baptized into the Holy Spirit. You get the gift of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, enters you immediately then at the point of salvation. He takes up residence in you. That means that no Christian is more spiritual than any other Holy Spirit indwelt Christian. If God the Holy Spirit is in you, you're as spiritual as you can get. There's no hierarchy of spiritual persons in a local church. Christians are never inferior to each other. Just because they're on stage or just because they have, you know, they're an elder or a deacon or something doesn't mean they're more spiritual. They just have the same Holy Spirit that you have, okay? The Holy Spirit in you is no different than the Holy Spirit in me. It's the same person who indwells both of us. And the outward sign of the inward reality of the dwelling of the Holy Spirit in a Christian's life is the verbal pledge that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. Now, let's get to the whole topic of spiritual gifts. And uh, just as it was in uh, Paul's day in Corinth, uh, the topic of spiritual gifts today is really uh, practical and it's exciting and it's also very divisive in churches. Uh, but today, I'm going to only really highlight the practical element for you. We don't have time to get into everything about these things, uh, but we're going to get a practical 10,000-foot overview of this topic so that you are aware about how the Bible and earliest Christians thought about this issue of spiritual gifts. Now, there are four central passages in the New Testament that list the spiritual gifts. If you can remember 12, 12, 4, 4, you're going to remember it. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. Okay, that's where you get the list of spiritual gifts. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is going to use four different Greek terms for the same thing in this passage. He calls spiritual gifts spiritual things. He calls them grace gifts or just gifts. 
He also calls them ministries or services. That's the other word. And then the last one is manifestations. Now, I want you to make sure people use this word all the time now. Oh, I'm going to manifest something. That's not what he's talking about, okay? That's pagan. That's not Christian. What he's talking about when it comes to the term manifestations of the gift, it's talking about the open proclamation of the truth. Okay, it's not some secret thing that people can conjure up things into this world like what we hear today. Uh, Again, so here's the four words in this passage. And once you understand that, it helps you to understand this passage as well. Uh, But according to Paul, spiritual people have spiritual gifts because they have the Holy Spirit who gifts them that gift in them. Okay, so you don't have a spiritual gift if you're not a Christian. Because you don't have the Holy Spirit. But as soon as you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual gift. Every single Christian has a spiritual gift. In verse 7, it says, To each person the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Verse 11 says, It is the one and same Spirit distributing as he decides to each person. Ephesians 4 says, but to each one of us grace was given. That's the word for spiritual gift. There is no believer who does not have a spiritual gift. Male or female, young, old, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior is given a spiritual gift. Now some might have more than one spiritual gift, but no single person has all the gifts. Okay, this is why the Lord has uh, brought about team leadership in local churches. It's not a one-man show. I don't have all the gifts. I need other people serving alongside me in leadership because I need their gifts, where I don't have gifts, okay? So uh, no single person has all the gifts. So what exactly is a spiritual gift? Well, it's helpful to know what something is by helping to know what it is not, Okay, Uh, a spiritual gift is not a personality type. Uh, There are generalists and there are specialists. There are extroverts and there are introverts. Okay, those are personality types and everyone's been given a personality when you were in the womb of your mother and being created by the Lord and he was stitching you together. He gave you that personality at birth. Everybody has one, okay? But Christians... A spiritual gift is different than your personality type. Non-Christians have a personality, okay? So we know this is not something that's a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are not personality types. Uh, Spiritual gifts are not innate aptitudes or natural abilities, okay? There's a number of similarities between uh, natural abilities and spiritual gifts, but uh, Spiritual gifts, they're not an unlearned natural talent or innate physical ability. Natural talents exist in both believers and non-believers alike. So we need to make sure we understand it is not a physical ability, right? Music, I can't keep a beat and a rhythm. I did one of those aptitude tests, and I'm not good at keeping a rhythm. I would never be able to play the drums, okay? That's a natural talent, Okay, that, that's all that is. 
Um, now, spiritual gifts, not only is it not an uh, aptitude or a natural talent, it is also not an innate motivation or a passion. People use the word passion a lot these days. Uh, some people are driven by competition. Some people love to manipulate objects with their hands. Some people are excited to be in authority. Some people love to be the best at something. Some people love attention. Some people just love to perform. Well, those are all innate motivations. People who are not Christians also have those same innate motivations that people who are Christians. But innate motivations are not spiritual gifts. Okay? They are not interests or subject matters. Okay? No one gets the spiritual gift of sports. Right, Ray? It's, a, that's, it's not a spiritual gift. It's not your interest, right, or subject matter. It's not an ability to work with a specific age group. No one gets the gift of youth ministry, all right? Uh, it's not a particular geographic region or people group. Uh, people don't get the gift of serving in Hawaii once they get saved. It's not a particular fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is something that all Christians should have. These are character traits that all Christians should, should exhibit and grow in. And so don't confuse spiritual gifts with the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, spiritual gifts are not an office in the church. Okay, this is something that is really important to know. Uh, there are elders and there are deacons in a local church that we see in the New Testament, and those are the only two offices with titles in a local church in the New Testament period. No one gets the gift of eldership when they get saved. No one gets the gift of deaconship when they get saved. Uh, there's a lot of confusion today uh, by those who look at Ephesians 4, which are spiritual gifts, and they say, no, these are offices, and they're not. And so they confuse people, and they say, well, we got a better office over here. We got an apostle, and I'm telling you, that's just a spiritual gift. That is not an office. So don't confuse offices with gifts. Spiritual gifts are not the offices. If you hear anything about the fivefold office of Ephesians 4, run. Hey, they're Christians, but, you know. They're confusing. They're confusing things that we see in the scriptures. Uh, they are also not, the spiritual gifts should uh, also understand that, um, uh, they're, so they're not reserve, uh, deserved. Uh, so it's not something like you, can, you can't sit there and earn or merit uh, or get a spiritual gift, okay? It's not something that you can pray for or wait for these things. Uh, I think there's a lot of traditions in church history that, that will say you need to really fast and pray, and then all of a sudden they're able to speak in tongues or something, and then they feel like, that's my spiritual gift, and they had to wait and pray for it or something. That's not the case. Okay, you get a spiritual gift at salvation when you get the Holy Spirit, and you don't get to choose your gift. The Spirit decides which gift you're going to get. Look at verse 11. It is one and the same Spirit distributing as He decides to each person. You don't get to decide. So, what is a spiritual gift? If it's not these things, well, what is it? Spiritual gifts are new Holy Spirit-infused enablements that when performed in conjunction with the strength of the Holy Spirit are above average from other normally gift, uh, spiritually gifted Christians, okay? Spiritual gifts are so good in a person that has them that you can't ignore them. 
should be really obvious and self-evident to others, okay? Spiritual gifts are new, divine, special abilities and that you are endowed with that when you perform them with the strength of the Holy Spirit is just going to be above average from other Christians. You have a handout. You're going to see the list of gifts, okay? And uh, the one thing that you're going to see on the other side is the distribution of gifts. Uh, and according to my count, there are about 18 different spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. Uh, there's debate about whether or not some of the, this is a complete list or not. I think it might be a complete list. Uh, others might disagree with me, but I'd be glad to listen to them, and I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong. But um, I definitely know these are spiritual gifts. And some people debate whether or not some of the spiritual gifts are temporary or foundational or whether they cease to exist by the end of the apostolic period. I'm not going to answer for that for, for you right now. Um, but I want you to notice the, the first Peter 4 spiritual gift list, okay, it, on the one side. There are speaking gifts and there are ministering gifts. And I think that's a great way to see uh, two different categories here. There are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. That's a really cool way to maybe understand that, uh, as you can see on the screen. Now, if you turn your page over, I want you to notice that many of the gifts are also things that we are commanded to do. This is the point I want to get it to right now. Uh, we're all commanded to serve one another. But some of us are given the gift of service. We're all commanded to exhort one another. But some of us have the gift of exhortation. We're all commanded to give, but some of us have the spiritual gift of giving. So this is why my definition should make sense to you, uh, that spiritual gifts are new Holy Spirit infused enablements that when performed in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, that they're above average from other spiritually gifted Christians, okay? Spiritual gifts should be super obvious. Think about it. We're all committed to do evangelism. We're all committed to. We're all uh, commanded to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. But there are some people who are above average from other normal people who have to do that command. Okay, some of us are going to be better at some of these commands than other people simply because we've been specially enabled to do that above other Christians. I have been blessed to see in my last church I've been in and this church, there have been people who have the gift of service. We have people in this church that are serving, tons of people serving in this church. But there are some people who have the gift of service and they are running circles around everybody else who are serving. And it does us no good to compare our service to their service. Okay? I know who the people are who have the gift of exhortation in my last church. I remember the encouragements they were able to give. So much more, they, just, they were just above average for, compared to other Christians who were also encouragers. Okay? So that's what a spiritual gift is. This should be above average from other normal Christians who are commanded to do these same things. Um, they're not mystical, they're not elusive, they're not some sort of hide-and-seek secret. Um, 
don't feel like you're inferior because you don't have that same gift that somebody else has. That's what the Holy Spirit decided for that person. He decided something else for you if you're a Christian, okay? Um, don't, don't think that it should be some, uh, like you're blind to. This should be something that is super obvious to you and to everybody else around you. So what's the purpose? What is the purpose of these new Holy Spirit enablements? Why do spiritual people get spiritual gifts? Well, there are three major reasons that spiritual people are gifted spiritual gifts. Well, first of all, spiritual people with spiritual gifts make more spiritual people. Uh, Our spiritual gifts were given to us in order to accomplish the mission of Jesus Christ. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he commanded his disciples to go make followers of Jesus from every people group on earth. And then 10 days later, he sends the Holy Spirit to them. And then they start accomplishing the mission. Okay? Our number one role as Christians is to introduce people who don't know Jesus to Jesus. Okay? And we're matchmakers. We want them to transfer their allegiance from Caesar to King Jesus. That's what we want for them. We want to see them saved from their sin. We want to see them have the joy of forgiveness and the idea that they have eternal life and that this worth, this life actually means something and isn't just an end to it somehow, okay? We have to use our gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us in mission for Jesus Christ to reach people for him. We need to get them to the point that they proclaim for themselves that Jesus is Lord. Every single spiritual gift has the ability to be used for evangelistic purposes. Okay? It might look different than Ray, and it might look different than it might be for you. Okay? Different spiritual gifts employed in different ways to reach people is going to look different. It's going to be a variety of people that reach people for Jesus. So, um, where am I here? So that's number one, spiritual people with spiritual gifts make more spiritual people. Number two, spiritual people with spiritual gifts glorify God. Did you notice that all three of the persons uh, of the Trinity are actually mentioned in this passage? Look with me at verse four. If you're uh, not a Christian, this might sound strange, but we believe the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and so is Jesus Christ. All three persons are God. They're different persons. They are not the one same person with three different masks, okay? They're, the Father is God, the whole, Jesus is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is not the Father, and Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. They're different people, all right? But I want you to notice here in verse 4 uh, that, that all three persons of the Trinity are mentioned. It says in verse 4, now there are different gifts but the same Spirit, So I'm going to take that as the Holy Spirit, okay? And in verse 5, it says there are different ministries, but the same Lord. Oh, we need to proclaim Jesus is Lord. This is Jesus, okay? And there are different results, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. So I'm going to say that's God the Father. According to Paul, each person in the Holy of the Trinity is involved in the process of using your spiritual gift. Uh, There's a three-step process that brings God glory when you employ your, uh, your spiritual gifts for him. So at salvation, the Holy Spirit is given to you and he gives you a spiritual gift. That's step one. 
Then, according to Ephesians 4, Jesus takes spiritually gifted individuals and he puts them into the local churches that he wants them in. He's the head of the body of Christ. He's the head of every local church. He will put people where he wants them. I'll never forget about 12 years ago, uh, before I became a pastor, I remember in the privacy of my bedroom calling out to Jesus, and I told him, Lord, I know you know every single local church. You know all the talents, you know all the, the spiritual gifts that you have given to me. I want you, Lord Jesus, to put me where you want me, because that's your job, not mine. And I had no idea he wanted to use me in Kansas. I had no idea he wanted to use me here. I'm his. Jesus can put me wherever he wants. He bought me. But here's the thing. A spiritual foodie just looking for the next buzz is not going to think that way. Okay? They're going to do what they want, not what Jesus wants. But Jesus will gift any spiritually gifted individual who is ruled by Jesus to the local churches as he decides. And so that's step two. So step one, the Holy Spirit gives them a spiritual gift. Step two, Jesus takes that person with a spiritual gift now and he puts them in a local church. And step three is the collective results of that person exercising their spiritual gifts. The collective results comes from God the Father. Spiritual gifts are not for our own power. They're not for our own glory. They're not for our own advancement or status. They're supposed to be used to magnify the triune God. And the ultimate result of spiritual people exercising spiritual gifts is God's enjoyment and pleasure. That's what we are doing when we are exercising our gifts. We're delighting his heart. The spotlight should never be on the individual through whom God is doing all these wonderful things through. It's just, it's not about that individual. It's about Jesus and what he's done. The spotlight should always be on Jesus Christ. If you're in a church and they're talking about the Holy Spirit more than Jesus, get out of the church. You watch the Holy Spirit all through the Gospels and all through the New Testament, and the most Holy Spirit-filled people are the people talking about Jesus. He is the spotlight on Jesus. That is all he's doing. He doesn't want people looking at the spotlight. He wants people looking at Jesus. And finally, spiritual people with spiritual gifts use their gifts for the benefit of others, as Mike mentioned earlier this morning. Look at verse 7. Paul writes, to each person the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. Okay? We're given spiritual gifts for the benefit of others not ourselves. And when we exercise our spiritual gift, it tells someone that God cares about them. Spiritual gifts gives each one of us not only the responsibility to minister, it also gives us the authority to do ministry. And the authority to minister and exercise a spiritual gift comes from God the Holy Spirit. You can't lose a spiritual gift. When you get saved and you are gifted a spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit, you can't lose that spiritual gift. But you can neglect it. 
In fact, when any member of the body of Christ in a local church, any Christian doesn't exercise his or her gift, the whole body can suffer. So don't waste your gift. Don't waste your spiritual gift. Use your spiritual gift in conjunction with the Holy Spirit every chance you get. The miracle about how the church does what it does is not through big events or big programs or big financial gifts, but rather it's ordinary people exercising their gifts freely, gladly, and liberally to make more Christians glorify God and for the benefit of others. It's ordinary people doing what God has simply commanded us to do. And if you have that spiritual gift, you are under authority by the Holy Spirit to exercise it. We have a need for you to do that role and be in that, exercise it. And so we want to give you permission to do that. That's the real miracle about how church accomplishes a mission to lead people to faith and maturity in Christ. So, what would that look like practically here in our lives at Good News Bible Chapel? Well, first of all, if you're not a spiritual person, and you'll want to be, if you're feeling like you're missing out on the excitement and buzz that Christians experience and your life feels despairingly empty despite all the goodness that you've experienced, I want to invite you to admit you got a sin problem and then trust in Jesus Christ's death for your salvation. Pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ as your king. No other human can satisfy your need for a leader in your life. And as soon as you believe, God the Holy Spirit will take up residence in you and you'll never be lonely or dissatisfied again. That God-sized hole in your heart will finally be filled by the only one who can actually fill it. Being a Christian is by far the most exciting and best thing about my life. Knowing that my king died for me because he wanted to serve me in my greatest need, and then he rose again from the dead, that's beyond love to me. Knowing that God the Holy Spirit is in me, <laughs> wow, who am I to deserve his company? He's God. If you're already a Christian and you're feeling like you could be missing out on some of the excitement that other Christians are experiencing elsewhere, uh, I want to encourage you uh, to identify your spiritual gift and begin using it as liberally as possible. Figure out how to get involved right here at Good News Bible Chapel, perhaps. Come to a care group this week. We're going to be talking. So we're doing the reading plan, and we're going to hear a sermon on Sunday. This is what we're doing right now. And then the care groups, we talk about what was being preached on Sunday mornings. We have great questions. Well, this week is a really important one, if you've not been in a care group, to figure out maybe how you might start getting served here. Care groups are a great way to serve one another and use your gifts towards each other right in that care group, okay? Every care group needs a teacher. Every care group needs people to care for one another and, and share with one another and, and do the things right there in the care group too, okay? So you can exercise your, uh, your gifts right in the care group, but you're going to also have a discussion this week about identifying yours. 
your spiritual gift. Uh, not only that, I want to invite you to come in a couple weeks. We got the uh, Good News Town Hall Pizza Luncheon. We're going to be hearing about all the different ministries that we do here at Good News. We can't talk about them every Sunday, but that Sunday after uh, the service, during the luncheon, we're going to be talking about it. People are going to hear reports about what's going on. You're going to be like, you know what? Now that I know what my spiritual gift is, I need to talk to that person who's leading that ministry. I need to see if I can get involved. Maybe you can do that. So that's in two weeks. Very practical. Not only that, if you can't wait two weeks, uh, if you want to start exercising your spiritual gift and you don't know where, you need to talk to Todd Wallace back there. He'll get you where you need to be and give you some good ideas as well. Right, Todd? There you go. He didn't know I was going to tell him that today, but he's told me, if you know somebody who wants to serve, tell him, I, tell him to send, send him my way. I was like, all right. Send the whole church his way. Uh, once, uh, once you figure out what your spiritual gift is, uh, I want to encourage you to serve. And maybe you're already serving. Keep serving in that role. Keep doing what God, the, the Holy Spirit, has specially equipped you to do. Uh, maybe you are here and you've only been, uh, you're not doing any service at the church, or maybe you can even exercise these out in the community to reach people. But if you haven't been serving, go from zero to one area of volunteering, okay, and serving. Go to one ministry. Start somewhere. Give it a try. Get ministering to others the way that God has made you to minister to others. Different people with different needs respond to different individuals in the church. Uh, when, when you reach non-Christians or uh, uh, to, to glorify God, to serve others, and it's really, it really is the most exciting thing because God is going to take you and all of the, the things about you, and he's going to put you in roles and ways that only you could be uniquely ready to help minister to people. But you have to be mindful to say, I need to start somewhere. So go from zero to one, okay? No matter how quiet it is of a ministry, if you think nobody is, is, is going to notice you, that's okay. That's okay. No matter how conspicuous it is, no matter how few people give attention to what you're doing, if God, the Holy Spirit, is strengthening you, you're exactly where the action is. I love the people who move chairs and clean carpets and set up the Lord's Supper elements. I love the people who do all the banking and pay the bills for the church behind the scenes. I love the people who are organically caring for one another and praying or bringing meals or helping each other out and, and giving gifts to each other financially to help each other out. Or I love the people who are serving at City Supper or Celebrate Recovery or in the audio booth, right? Everything that is happening behind the scenes and is unseen is super important. In fact, if you read 1 Corinthians 12, the hidden gifts, just like the hidden parts of the body, are more special than the ones that are seen. Okay? I am thrilled by the fact that so many people step up here at Good News. There is a culture of serving and there's a culture of getting involved and participating in the mission to lead people to faith and maturity. I love it. I love the people who go serve the children or the youth because you know why? God has a history. He has a history of being in the action away from the action that the world is paying attention to. 
I'm so thrilled that we all get to participate in glorifying God together by proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. Don't waste your gift. Don't miss out on any little thing or big thing that God wants to empower you to accomplish for him. There's nothing more exciting in church than when ordinary, spiritually gifted people exercise their spiritual gifts to care for each other and draw people to Jesus and glorify God. That is the most exciting thing on earth. And if that's happening in this local church, there's no other church out there that's more exciting. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you are the servant of servants. You came and you uniquely took on the challenge to become one of us, to live among us, to show us our sin, and then to die on the cross for our sin. If there's anybody here who is missing out on the benefits of salvation, I pray that they would trust in you, Lord Jesus, today that you can fulfill those promises to them. And I pray for the Christians. I pray for us as a church that we would be sensitive to know what are the spiritual gifts that we have been gifted and then know how to use them and employ them and start doing something with them, Lord, and not sitting on our hands doing nothing. Lord, so many serve already, and I just pray that they would continue to be encouraged, that they would encourage others who want to get involved, and that they would share and show how what they're doing is, is happening. And, and uh, we just pray, Father, thanking you for everybody who steps up at Good News every single week, behind the scenes, on the stage, whatever, Lord. They're all important, and we all want... We want the, the purposes that you want them to have achieved, Lord. And we know all these results come from you, God. So we're, we're going to put all these into your hands, and we want to see you do something with them. And we just pray that you would get all the glory, all the fame with it, that it would, we would help us to reach people for Jesus, that more people would say Jesus is Lord because of what we're doing as a result of this message. And also, Lord, that we would be serving each other, that the one anothering one another would just increase so much here at Good News because we're employing these uh, spiritual gifts that you've enabled us to do. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.